Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Phil Anthony, the founder and CEO at Decision Quest, a trial consulting and strategic communications firm. Hi, Phil. How are you? Fine, Ari. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So tell us about your background and the genesis of Decision Quest. Decision Quest is a trial consulting firm, and what that means at a general level is we assist trial lawyers, corporate counsel, insurance carriers who are involved in litigation at two fundamental levels. Number one, we help by helping the trial team to understand how the trier of fact, which means the jury or the judge or a panel of arbitrators, are likely to view the case. And we address that issue and answer those questions through empirical research. And then number two, once we've collected data and we understand how triers of fact are likely to view a matter, we then work directly with the trial team to help them develop strategies and tactics which are going to improve the likelihood of them prevailing at the time of trial or settling the case in a more efficient manner. So that's at the general level what we do. And in turn, we are part of a company called US Legal which provides a wide variety of services, including court reporting, both live deposition and remote deposition services, language translation for depositions, and executive search. How has your trial consulting work changed due to the pandemic? Trials have slowed down during the pandemic. Starting back in March, the schedule of most courts across the nation have declined. They have not come to a halt in our experience, but they have declined from previous levels of activity. So what that has meant is a number of things, but one thing it's meant is there's less face-to-face activity inside of courtrooms across the nation. There are more things done in what has come to be known as a virtual environment. And generally speaking, a virtual environment means the judge or the court in general might be in their own courtroom, but everyone else appears on a remote basis. So in other words, if there's counsel who are going to argue a motion, they appear remotely on some kind of web-based platform. If there are witnesses who are going to testify, they likely also appear remotely. And to the extent there's a jury present as the trier of facts to listen to a matter, they also on occasion appear remotely or if they are in the courtroom themselves, they are appropriately socially distanced, which means they're spread around the courtroom and oftentimes have plexiglass or other divisions between them so they don't have to interact on a moment-by-moment basis. So the environment has modified and the interactions are a bit slower and less frequent than they used to be. What are some other challenges of adapting in-person litigation to this virtual environment? Some other challenges are are the fact that, of course, most people like to be face-to-face, just generally speaking. Trial lawyers are used to being face-to-face in front of the court. Everyone is used to having a witness present in front of the counsel. And jurors like to be present so they can not only hear the testimony, but gauge the nonverbal behaviors of the person testifying or the lawyers asking the questions. So not having those tools available is a bit of a hindrance for the average person. But what has happened is that as time has passed, gradually courts and jurors and trial lawyers are adapting to the environment. 
and they're becoming more accustomed to the notion of using various technologies that allow them to reappear on a remote basis. This is true for depositions as well. Many depositions are being taken on a remote basis now. And I think that's a trend that we may see continue even in the post-pandemic world. What will it take to fuel that widespread adoption of a more virtual trial practice? It's going to be a couple of things. One, it's going to be the trial lawyers and the courts and all other participants in the legal process having experiences in which they come to recognize and believe that a virtual or remote deposition or court proceeding does not have a different outcome from a live environment. That's happening as we speak. I think each time a trial team or a court has an experience in a virtual environment, they come away from that experience believing that it's a good substitute under the conditions in which we exist. It's a good substitute for a live environment. Number two, I think, frankly, in the future, there will be the economic aspect and the risk-reward trade-off associated with conducting something on a live basis versus a remote or virtual basis. And at some point, for example, if a deposition needs to be taken of a witness who's located in Sydney, Australia, and the trial team is based in the United States, I think there's going to come into question the issue of whether or not it makes economic sense to travel to Sydney to take the deposition when, in fact, that same deposition can be undertaken on a reasonable basis using some kind of technology in a remote setting. So over time, I think there will be adoption of the virtual environment to trial settings. How have the courts been perceiving their proceedings during the pandemic and even in anticipation of this shift that you've discussed? We have observed as trial consultants, number one, courts vary across the land. So each and every court has a different attitude toward the issue of how to manage cases during the pandemic. Some courts have been first and foremost adamant that criminal trials need to move forward because, of course, an accused person has a right to a speedy trial. So there have been some criminal trials that have occurred across the nation during this pandemic period. There's also been a commitment by many courts to say that once the world begins to open back up, criminal trials will come first. Number two, in civil litigation, many courts have taken the position that if there are critical matters associated with the civil litigation, they will move forward on some kind of either virtual basis or guarded live setting within the courtroom. An example of that would be if the existence of a company going forward is at stake, the court might say, well, given the circumstances and the possibility of people being put out of work by a company going under, we're going to move forward with the proceedings anyway, and we are either going to do so on a remote basis or we're going to bring people into the courtroom and we're going to appropriately distance them from one another but move forward with the proceedings. So there have been a number of cases, as I just described, that have taken place on a weekly basis across the country over the recent months. And now in the current environment, I think it's reasonable to say that many courts are assuming that sometime in the first quarter of 2021, the courts will move toward a condition of being something closer to fully open and operational. Courts are beginning to prepare for that time frame by issuing new court dates, for example, and ordering motions to be heard or hearings to take place. There's a gradual movement in that direction of reopening. What have you learned about juror reactions to this crisis? 
Back when the crisis first hit in March, Decision Quest decided to undertake a series of nationwide studies of the kinds of people who typically appear for jury duty across the land, known as jury eligible individuals. We've done two surveys to date. We did one survey at the end of March. That was a 900 person survey undertaken on a nationwide basis across many major cities. And in that survey, we asked 90 plus questions of prospective jurors as to their attitudes toward a wide variety of issues, including attitudes toward COVID-19, how it had impacted them or not impacted them, and in turn, how that impacts their view of corporate America and trials in America and their willingness to serve as jurors. And if they were jurors in various kinds of cases, what kinds of decisions would they make depending upon the nature of the case? To measure the longer term impact of the pandemic upon jurors, which will likely take place a bit later. So that's what we've done to date. We learned a number of things at a highlight level. What we learned from both the first and the second survey, so the viewpoints were pervasive across time. We learned, number one, that at the front end, back in March, and remember this is a random sample of individuals, so it has statistical integrity associated with the sampling methodology employed, but we found about 16% of the population had experienced COVID-19 in some capacity, and we found that 32% of the population had been economically impacted. Then once learning that, we further asked people the extent to which their experiences had severely impacted them or moderately impacted them or not impacted them whatsoever. What we learned, generally speaking, is that those people who reported they were fearful of COVID-19 were more likely to be plaintiff-oriented jurors in civil matters, and there was a direct correlation on that front. Number two, we learned that jurors who felt they had suffered in some significant way or had been impacted in some significant way were far more likely to award large damages to plaintiffs if damages were an issue in a case. And the opposite was true as well in both of those settings, meaning those who felt not whatsoever afraid of COVID-19 in particular were more defense-oriented and awarded the least amount of damages or no damages. When we measured again in the May timeframe, we saw the same attitudes and beliefs about the pandemic and their feelings about what they would do as jurors in a setting. We also learned that many of the individuals who were plaintiff-oriented at the time in May said that if they were called to be a juror, they'd be willing to come into a courtroom setting within a one to two month time period. Now, you have to remember that in the May time frame, there was a general belief in the nation that people were going to be returning to work in the June-July timeframe, and of course that changed. The jurors who were defense-oriented had a slightly different view. They said, yes, we'd be willing to come back to court, but we'd probably want to wait three to four months before we come back. More of a sense of being cautious toward the underlying issues associated with the pandemic. And where do you see litigation and trials headed? A couple of potential answers, I think, depend upon what happens, of course. So one fork in the road could be the pandemic dies down, a vaccine is found or determined, invented, in which case the world might gradually return to normal. If the pandemic continues on indefinitely, it's our view as trial consultants that gradually courts across the land will adapt to a virtual trial environment because eventually they will be forced to do so. In other words, even today, there's a huge backlog of both civil and criminal cases that have not been heard as they normally would have been heard 
And eventually all of those cases have to have their day in court or they have to settle if they're not criminal cases. And the virtual environment is efficacious in the sense that jurors everywhere always want to do the best they can do as citizens. So whether it's live or virtual, they're going to continue to try very hard. Number two, most people in the population of the United States are quite accustomed to using some form of technology. The counsel for parties and the witnesses appear on a visual platform of some kind. That's not going to necessarily in and of itself inhibit jurors from doing the right thing, working hard to make decisions in cases. So I think lay people are very comfortable with the virtual environment. And I think over time, if they must do so, courts will become comfortable with it as well, as will the trial lawyers who are responsible for handling these various matters. I think if the courts reopen, there will be a flood of litigation heading to trial over the next year, year and a half. They're going to be even busier than they've been in the past because there's going to be such a demand for their services and the requirement of bringing trials to fruition. I think there will still be an effort in some cases to adapt to a virtual courtroom environment, a remote courtroom environment, because that will be the more economic, efficient way to dispose of some cases, the ones that are most suitable for that kind of environment. So I think we'll see some of that as well. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Phil Anthony, the founder and CEO at Decision Quest, a trial consulting and strategic communications firm. Phil, thanks so very much. Thank you, Ari. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.